so what's this fucking podcast that we're doing? God, what? Oh shit. Okay, so <laughs> shit. So now we like... introduce the podcast. <laughs> I'm just gonna have. I'm gonna drop some like intro music, and then out of the intro music, it's so what's this podcast? Yeah, yeah, and then yeah, it's yeah, me yeah. saying all that, and that is very, cut out. very. Um. Okay. Hello. Welcome to uh, Radical Butterfly Book Club, which I'm saying out loud and will edit over if the name changes before we release this. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it may. It may indeed change. Um. Yeah. yeah. We didn't write an introduction, so we're just gonna fucking wing it. That's I. <laughs> w- that's how we do things. Hell we're yeah. gonna wing it singularly. Yeah. Sing it. We have one wing. It's we the have left one wing. One. It's the left it? one. Do you, Do you get, get it? <laughs> Did you know we're socialists? Did anybody tell you we're socialists? Did, Welcome to the book club. Welcome um, to the book club. It's a book club that we have started because I don't know how to read, and I also don't know shit nor fuck. Mm. And I I've realised that probably I should read some things and learn stuff and expand my mindset and back up my ideals with knowledge and reading and context. And uh, I heard from AJ that they were reading some cool things. And I was like, let let me in and also help me to do it. <laughs> so we and, started a podcast together because I love to broadcast all my interactions with my friends. Yeah, I mean, that's that to me, that's the primary function of podcasting. Like mm-hmm. uh, my other podcast is me and my other friend who likes wrestling. We're like, we were like, hey, we both want to watch this wrestling company, but we never make the time for it. I know. Let's start a podcast where we get into this <laughs> wrestling company, and now it's our favorite wrestling there is. So I it's think you that's know, what good stuff. podcasts are is like you know, yes, friendship, but what about making it into a product? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Mm. Ob- obviously, there are very valid criticisms about monetizing hobbies and yeah, you know, and and your social time and stuff like mm-hmm. that. But also, you know. We've only got two people paying us for it, which we weren't even expecting. Oh, you! <laughs> yeah, we've got two people paying us. Yeah, what? we yeah we make eight dollars a month on Patreon. Oh, fuck yeah! Yeah, <laughs> um, uh, minus Patreon's fees. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, you know, but like it's more of a, I, uh, it's more of like a hey, we both want to do this thing. We both have ADHD and struggle to do things. Mm. Do you know what's a good way to like enforce boundaries is by setting is by setting up like this pseudo audience, which may have at some point become a real audience. Fuck yeah! But but, but even it just being a pseudo audience means that there's like a simulated external pressure that isn't there otherwise, which I, I, sorry, go on. No, no, you finish your thing. I was just going to say, I, as someone with ADHD have found that (laughs) I respond a lot better to external pressure than internal Mm, pressure. Like my executive dysfunction just doesn't let me do things (laughs) that I want to do. Unless I feel like, uh oh, I'm supposed to do this. Like people can see that I haven't done this. We really do live in a society. (laughs) We really do live in a society. Oh, by the way, I'm AJ. Uh, I use they them pronouns. I was gonna say another thing, but yeah, we should do introductions, huh? (laughs) Yeah. Well, you already kind. You said my name earlier. I haven't said yours yet. Yeah. 
You, you can say your other thing before. Oh no, that was okay. it. I was just saying my name and pronouns, but you right. can. Uh, I'll say my thing, which was that the world fucking terrible, so bad, so mm. scary. Been freaking out about it all the damn time. All so the I damn thought, time. what better thing to do about how the world is bad is to make a podcast for mostly people who already agree with me. <laughs> to listen to <laughs> I mean you know what I've found out recently from joining more leftist online spaces mm. is that people listen to podcasts so you know like even people who don't agree <laughs> like, ah! from being, being in spaces with a lot of on, with a lot of online leftist podcasters they will mm. a lot of the time just turn around and say like Hey, yeah, we got a lot of people listening to the show who just like I don't know why they listen to this show, but I hope the fact that they continue to listen to the show means that eventually it'll make more sense that they listen to the show. People you know, do be listening to podcasts, though. People do be listening to podcasts. <laughs> That's one thing I've learned from making podcasts is that people be listening to them. Not enough, thank you. I sincerely ask <laughs> that you would listen to my podcast. Uh, yeah, we get a lot of like weird fascists listening to university, and I'm like. Go really? away! Really? Of course. Oh, so weird. I guess that's I the think... nature of June. Yeah, it's June fans. Yeah. Anyway, Fuck what off. are you gonna say? Uh, I'm trying to think of a way to turn Nazi punks fuck off into uh, racist June fans fuck off, but I, I can't care. So just here's the it's ingredients okay. for the cake of the joke. Yes. You can bake it yourself. I feel like that's all the best jokes are ones that are not constructed but are displayed on yeah. the menu. <laughs> Um, so after possibly the most rambly introduction of all time to this shall podcast... Shall we actually introduce we... ourselves? <laughs> yeah. I think I've mentioned I'm AJ and I use they, them pronouns. Yeah. I'm Ray and I use they and them pronouns. Um, I was going to say, like, thinking about this podcast, just like walking around and thinking about it, mm. I was thinking, is it is it useful to talk a bit about, like... Um, our identities i don't usually like it when people do that but because we're talking about oppression yeah. and it might be interesting to I, think about like how we connect to stuff yeah i think i think so i think it's very i think with this work in particular probably identity is going to be something that's key to it so yeah but you know also just if we're dealing if we're reading these kinds of things going forward it's nice for people to know where they stand. Um, yeah, I think so. So I think, uh, we haven't said yet, so, you know, you've probably read the episode title if you're listening to this, but I'm just gonna, <laughs> but uh, the first thing we're gonna read is uh, Franz Fanon's uh, The Wretched of the Earth, but we're starting today with just uh, the preface, as written by uh, Jean-Paul Sartre. Yeah, so this thanks can, Sartre. Thanks Sartre. So this can just sort of be like the preface to the podcast, where we mm. like introduce ourselves and say where we're coming from and stuff as sense. well. Yeah. Shall we preface ourselves? Let's preface ourselves. So, me prefacing myself. Okay. I am... So, I'm right. My pronouns are they and them. I'm trans, but not very visibly trans. So, I escape <laughs> a lot of fucking violence that way, I guess. I am black. I'm mixed race. Um, but I identify as black. And... I am middle class, which I think is probably important to acknowledge. And I don't know, like how long how long should I do the laundry list? Because I could be like, I'm able bodied, <laughs> I'm a gentile, I'm I'm fat, yeah. I'm this, that. I guess um, just you know, as much as you feel is relevant right now. And yeah. if and if and if, you know, other things appear to be relevant to bring up later, then we can do that later. Yeah. 
So yeah, I think race, class, you know, I'm black, I'm middle class, and uh, I'm trans also, which is something that I would like you to know. I think when you're podcasting, and especially because I'm regrettably I'm English um, (laughs) unfortunately unfortunately to say I'm English um, people will probably hear my voice and assume I'm white unless I tell them otherwise so I I am black (laughs) just so you know yeah Um, how about you well I'm uh, if you have make that assumption about me you would be right I am white Uh, I'm one of the white English Uh, I'm (laughs) you know one of them Um, (laughs) I'm uh I'm I'm thinking about class now. Class is a complicated question. It is, uh, huh? I feel like it's especially complicated for me in the sense of like you know the tensions between uh, where does working class end and like the underclass begin. You know, yeah. like am I proletariat or am I lumpen proletariat? Mm. Uh, so so yeah. Anyway, I've I like grew up in a single parent working class family uh, that like had the potential to, like, become kind of more middle class at one point because my mum started to, like, get promoted up through, like, a local authority, like, doing education stuff. So, like, Mm. for where we lived, which was a very poor and very, like, racially segregated white neighbourhood in Liverpool, Mm. uh, was, you know she was generally making good money but also was a single parent with two kids and (laughs) then was too disabled to continue making money (laughs) Mm. um so yeah i'm also trans uh i'm disabled i uh both physically and in terms of like you know mental health and shit like that Mm. uh but yeah i think yeah, so it's it, it's a thing where it's like, you know, obviously I am, like, I, I, I am someone who is marginalised, but, like, in the context of, like, what is set up by the preface of this book, I am very much, like, you know, I am the white European who I think is the assumed audience for Sartre here. Mm-hmm. Uh, of Like, I'm not technically a settler in that I don't live in a space that you know, has been colonised necessarily, except for, you know, going way back when it was white people colonising each other here. Mm. But, like, uh, but, you know, we live in a colonised world. Like, you can't escape colonisation. Like, and Sartre very much deals with, like, in in this preface, he very much contends with, like, the notion that just because you're not over there doing something over there doesn't mean that you're not complicit or yeah. like you know so yeah that's totally. where i am in relation to this text i think so if i've left a... anything else please remind me as a white european mm. would you <laughs> sorry me intentionally making you uncomfortable as a no, white I'm, european... not uncom- I'm not i'm not uncomfortable <laughs> being called a white european it's what right. i am Thanks. <laughs> like... <laughs> would you like to briefly summarize what the preface said very mm. quickly and then we can go into like talk about how we felt about it and what it brought up for us okay i think a brief summary is essentially the sartre assuming that his audience for like i don't know i, I haven't looked into whether his preface was only for a european edition of the book and maybe that's what informed his assumption or mm. or whether it was just his or whether he was just like what am i what use am i to this work uh, well, mm. as a white European from within 
the country that's doing the colonizing i guess the value i can bring is to address the other white europeans like but he the, he, the, the essence of what he says is like hey if you're white european like me this book isn't for you it's not written for you as the audience it's written for colonized people internationally but like as you know especially like the colonized algerian audience but but also like internationally any colonized people but then he also wants to make the case for why as a white european you should still read this work and why there is still like what the value is for someone this work isn't addressed to to be reading it yeah um, that's a good good very good short summary very concise so yeah for me that was very concise <laughs> uh, do you think i've left out anything important or um i think anything that you miss comes up in later chapters and we'll talk about anyway like he talks a lot about like violence or what it mm. means to be human or oh, like 100 percent. yeah lots of language about man as shorthand for human which was really interesting well it's i think it's very i think he's like specifically contending with you know what i have seen in a lot of things recently okay so just to rewind <laughs> just to rewind and give a bit more context about me and where i am in my development since Please. i think that might help like politically i am i am someone who like called themselves an anarchist since they were 13 because i saw like the wikipedia page for anarchy and was like oh this is cool this isn't what everyone else has taught me you know, like, for some reason, the Wikipedia page was actually a decent summary of, like, quickly, here's what anarchism is. <laughs> and, like, and I, so I, like, started calling myself an anarchist at, like, 13. But, mm. you know, being 24 now, like, retrospectively, I can still see that for a long time, I was essentially a liberal at best. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like, because I just didn't have context for things. I hadn't been taught certain things. I wasn't exposed to certain things. Um, and generally i've struggled to read <laughs> just like i I've, I've not really done much political reading in my life mm. uh you know as I've, I've realized over the past couple of years that i very much almost definitely have an undiagnosed case of adhd and mm. have focus issues but lately i've been forcing myself to read more <laughs> i've been like <laughs> really putting myself in there and mm. so have podcasts have helped a lot in the mean in, over the past few years while i haven't really been able to read uh, so, like, over, like, the stuff that I've been listening to and over the past few years and the stuff I've been reading more recently, a lot of it is concerned with, you know, colonialism and decolonization. Uh, but I've never really, like, done the reading, you know what I mean? Like, I wouldn't, cons I wouldn't consider myself educated in these subjects, even though I have opinions, you know what I mean? So, <laughs> but, like, but, you know, I'm also, I also know that I'm a relatively uneducated white European with opinions and my opinions don't really, you know, I need some yeah. more, I, they, they need developing, they need sharpening, they need honing. Yeah. Uh, and then I also think podcasts are most interesting when the people who, who are talking in them and talking about how they, what their opinions are and how they felt and what, what relevance the things had to them. So I kind of also want to recognize myself as someone who isn't terribly educated about this stuff mm. and someone who you know, lesser than you, someone who's done less reading and someone who's sort of, you know, I'm not as, like, politically, like, active or conscious or well-read as I would like to be. And mm. that it's often been a source of, like, agonising for me. So yeah. I thought, hey, fucking do something. 
um i don't remember why i went on this tangent i feel like something I was... about yeah um <laughs> i also forgot i feel like i was going to explain i feel like i was saying that to explain what i was going to say next but i've completely mm. forgot what i was going to say next podcasting that's adhd for you baby <laughs> adhd um... babes Shit, yeah. So, do you remember what you asked me before I said that? Because I, I'm trying to desperately find a way Hang back on. into the conversation. So I asked you to summarize, and then I talked about we were talking about if you missed anything, and I said like, oh, violence and um, like humanity and oh. man is shorthand for humanity. Yeah, and so, then you, yeah, yeah. I remember now. Thank you. You've reminded me. So what what I was going to say is a lot of the stuff I've been reading recently uses the same terminology of uh, uh, more things i've been reading recently i've I've been concerned with like postmodernism and stuff like that and psychoanalysis Mm -hmm. which Mm -hmm. is stuff that i've never really engaged with before Uh, so it's like been difficult for me to pass out and i know that i still don't really understand it yet but i've seen a lot of recently i've seen a lot of writing about like man capital m man as in, like, the Western social construct of what man is. And yeah. and once again, Western also with a capital W, because, you know, there is no such thing as the West, but there is the social idea of the West. Yeah. So it's, it's like, within the Western culture, which is essentially European colonial imperial culture, <laughs> it, it, there is an idea of what, like, consists of man. And there is, like... The, the liberalism that is, that grew out of the white European colonial imperialism, like the, mm. the branch of liberalism that we have, is mm. like, uh, you know, has, has has been humanist for a long time. And, mm. and, and this pref- in terms of like, you know, talking about your fellow man and how, and you know, freedom <laughs> and liberty and caring for each other and shit like that. And mm. like this... Uh, well propped up on massive yeah, colonial violence. Exactly. And so the, this is like the the I, I know that this work generally probably, but also like this preface spe- uh, specifically is very concerned with like, hey, that is and always has been a lie. And mm. also it's so apparent that it's a lie that it's like doomed to die any day mm. now. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it uses that language of, like, man, what's a man, mm. who gets to be a man, a lot. Yeah. Um, which is really interesting. And I feel like, yeah, and I feel like that's, like, the, the reason it's, obviously, as well as, you know, the sexism mm. that's that's part of the colonialism and imperialism that we were just talking about, of, like, you know, the Western identity and shit like that. Uh, mm. I was going to say it's, like, kind of not really gendered it's more about humanity but of yeah. course it is also gendered yeah, because because there's 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 a misogyny there's a uh what's it like there's a masculinism that's yeah that's undercurrent with all those other things yeah and like just buried very deep in the language that's used in this general way to mean mm. a general thing but is specific because of how you know the, the culture has been constructed yeah um, yeah I forgot what I was going to say again. <laughs> Sorry, you were, ta- you were, ta- okay. yeah. you no, were talking you- about man and I essentially inter- interrupted to like go on that tangent of like, here's what man means in this context. <laughs> I think that's what I wanted to hear anyway. It was super interesting to hear you talk about it. So, okay, <laughs> so okay, cool. no bones about that. Cool. Yeah, cool. Um, <laughs> God, right. I mean, there's a lot to say. There is um, a lot to say. Oh, I remember the thing. It was going to branch off something that you you were saying when you were talking about the lips. 
Um, the thing, one thing I really liked about this preface is that Sartre really hates liberals. Oh, he fucking hates them, and it's <laughs> talks, so good to read. He talks a lot about, you know, what what the problems with liberals and sort of humanism are, which AJ sort of briefly summarised. This kind <laughs> of like separation of your values from the injustices that you kind of um, stand by and are complicit in because you sort of split the parts of yourself that are thinking of people in different ways. Um, and it, it really did make me, I guess this is something that I already knew and already recognised, but it was sort of very stark to draw the parallels between, oh wait, hang on, that's that's definitely still how what everybody do be doing. Yeah, 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 like that is still foundational to mm. you know it's, yeah. it's foundational to western ideals as we were talking about so then mm. it's also foundational to like england and britain and yeah. europe and the united states of america or yeah. canada you know like yeah. <laughs> all of these colonial imperial nations like mm. this is like so ingrained in the culture that like yeah. we, we still haven't got even though there's like a sense of imminent uh like implosion or destruction mm. like in, in this in this uh preface like we're still dealing with it it hasn't gone away isn't that so curious and there's like a, a sense of imminent implosion and destruction currently right now mm. i feel and then seeing that that imminent sense then and noticing that things are still kind of the same in terms of patterns and the structures it's very scary <laughs> it's well, like shit yeah. fuck we have to fucking do something yeah i mean which we knew but yeah something i've noticed from like you know things i've been reading things i've been hearing uh, in podcasts is like mm. basically like historically anytime there's been like a revolutionary moment you know the revolution has always been either like imminent or like or we'll probably achieve revolution within five to ten years and like it always seems like whoever it is who's doing the work thinks it's either right about to happen or we've mm. got like five to ten years and the, <laughs> and like i feel and I, we're still there and i feel like yeah. it's never changed because mm. like you know because time isn't linear like that yeah. like that's not how things work time, time is fake time is fake and and the social conditions, while constantly changing, are still mm. currently capitalism. Capitalism mm. has only expanded and even grown and like sunk its claws in deeper. Like mm. the crisis is only exaggerated; it hasn't lessened. Yeah, cool, cool, <laughs> cool. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, and then I guess I guess what was going through in my mind is that like, okay, so our situation that that we're in currently is no is it's the same structure it's the same pattern and the response kind of so to go on a tangent about the thing that i am saying i've always sort of had this massive squeamishness about violence mm. and yet the way that i lived is like propped up on me being complicit in violence that i don't see or that i can detach myself from mm -hmm. but the ending the situation that we're in now or finding an alternative to the situation that we're in now will require something as extreme as what happened. <laughs> you know, it's violence and yeah. revolution in, that is not... <laughs> 
Um, so I I find it very difficult to sort of come to terms with that idea or feel comfortable with that idea. And mm. I still want to sort of do things that look at futures that don't don't need violence or ways to achieve better futures that don't need violence. But mm. I guess I think this book is going to force me to look at the places where violence is necessary or yeah. where it needs to be thought about. Um, well, we haven't read chapter one yet, but chapter one not. is called Concerning Violence. So, <laughs> so. We, we are going to have to think about it. Yeah, and yeah. I think, you know, even just from the preface, I think it's clear that this work's conclusion is the violence is happening. Mm. Like, whether or not you choose to engage in the violence mm. doesn't... It's going to happen. It's going to happen. And yeah. you're probably going to be involved. <laughs> <laughs> like, you are involved in the violence, yeah. whether you want to be or not. Yeah. Like, is sort of... Totally. The, the point, which is like, you know, one of those things that's existentially terrifying. Oh, but also, yeah. you know... But most, I feel like most things which are existentially terrifying are also sort of, like, contradictory, contradictorily, mm. like, liberatory in, like, you know, just emotionally of, like, a, oh, this is an awful thing I can't escape from, <laughs> but I guess I can learn to accept that I can't escape from it and then try and operate within that framework. I don't Whoa. know. <laughs> that's the work, I guess. I guess. I guess I that's guess. what I need to do. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I guess making art is part of learning how to live within that yeah. framework. I mean, I think something that's important as well, I think, is, you know, I think... I'm not going to pretend to be an expert on like the Black Panthers or anything like that, but I think, mm -hmm. but I think it was, I think it came. I don't know if there's, there's like a quote that I don't have memorized, so I'm sort of paraphrasing what I think is like an idea that, if not came out of the Black Panthers, was an idea they held, which was like as part of their th theory of dual power is arming the people, but mm. arming the people doesn't just mean you know like giving them guns it means arming them with education arming them mm. with knowledge arming them with the ability to understand the world around them yeah so it's like you know i feel like there are ways to engage with the violence that's going on which aren't necessarily violent acts if that's like something that's you know because not everyone's capable of that is is the thing i mean i think like everyone pushed to a certain point can yeah. be you know but at the same time, you know, not everyone can, not everyone is able to make the choice to perform violence. And like, you know, mm. that's not a failing that, you know. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's something that's really like it. Whenever violence in this kind of context comes up, it's always like massively on my mind as someone who like, I can't picture myself in a position where I'm driven to it or I can't. I find it unbearable to imagine mm. to imagine a place where it I have no other option. Yeah. Because mm. it's a because it's a removal of agency. Yeah. Or I guess I guess it's less a removal of agency than an expression of how illusory that agency was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which yeah, totally. again existentially terrifying, but uh oh. Uh oh. <laughs> uh oh. Yeah. One thing I'm going to say, and it's to it's, I'm saying it in this unnatural way because it's not related to what we were just saying, but it's That's that, um, so you introduced this um, preface as, I pronounce that weirdly, preface as um, 
something that Sartre was writing for white Europeans. Mm. And as a black European, I found it really interesting sort of how it felt to read it because I was reading it thinking like, I'm so used to consuming media that is very specifically not talking to me and like not addressing me and not meant for me. Mm. And the way that this was written is like, it assumes who you are immediately um, and addresses you as such in mm. a really direct way. And I've, it made me think about like the publishers putting it there and like assuming who was going to read this, etc., etc. And then also it was like, well, I'm not a white European, but I am a European. And it kind of is to me in the position that I am in the world. It kind of is to me. Yeah. So probably reading the actual body of the book is also not going to be addressing me. Well, um, yeah. I, it, yeah, it's the thing is, I think what I haven't read, I haven't read Wretched of the Earth yet, but you know, I've mm. listened to podcasts where people talked about it and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know the part of what, what I think what Franz Fanon is going to get into as part of like the colonial process mm. and, and what is sort of touched on in the preface by Sartre a little bit is, uh, you know, the colonizing country. As as part of creating like a new uh, native ruling class in the colonized mm. country, part mm-hmm. of that process is like the intellectualization of select mm. of selected uh, of selected colonized peoples to yeah. be to be brought back to the homeland to educate it there, and I... fra- and like that's how Franz Fanon became educated. He was one mm-hmm. of those people, but mm. like that's something he is like writing about as a, as like a symptom of colonization as yeah. part of the colonization process. I made a note about it at the beginning because it was mentioned on the first page and I sort of I found it really interesting thinking of myself in this like really assimilated context. Mm. Um there was something else I was going to say. Fuck. <laughs> Fuck what was it? Oh yeah. Um I guess it sort of also speaks to this pre- preoccupation that like Sartre points out that sort of white Europeans had it at the time that the preface was written but i think sort of almost everyone i guess in i hate to say it like this but the western world like Mm. has it now that things like have to be about you or need to be applied to you in some way and people really struggle with it when things aren't about them yeah and and i think i I do as well yeah yeah i think it's it's also something that you know there's a lot of uh valid criticisms for you know certain aspects of queer theory and like on mm. online queer discourse especially because <laughs> online queer discourse is like for the most part like just the worst lib shit ever mm. mm-hmm. uh, but like you know and, and i'm i'm meaning queer discourse here as like not even necessarily academic discourse i mean people starting shit on Tumblr. yeah like, that, like the you discourse. know like yeah the discourse like something about that is like I feel like very much like a lot of liberalism in general is mm. like uses a misappropriation of identity politics mm. of like, you know, how identity politics were originally conceived, like, which was by a group of like, you know, black communist, mostly lesbian women. Oh, interesting. I didn't what, know that. Yeah, I think it came from a collective in New York, or, but I might be wrong about that. I, I can I can research for show notes later. Sure. Um, but yeah, I think the the group that it, where it originally came out of was, uh, you know, if we if I 
you know, I'm I'm obviously a white person, so like I'm not really gonna be I'm not gonna make any works or theories on race unless for some reason I've decided that I should talk about the white experience because that's my mm-hmm. experience. Mm-hmm. But uh, but you know, I am uh, disabled. I am trans. I am you know queer in other ways, and it's like oh, if if I. In, in, you know, I don't it, the way it, identity politics was originally said was like, okay, if I if I am a disabled trans person in the UK, then like I don't just have the options of talking about what it's like to be a disabled person. I don't just have the options of what it, talking about what it's like to be a trans person. I can also have like I can also specialize in the knowledge of what it's like to specifically be a disabled trans person in the UK mm. because mm-hmm. only people who are both can truly experientially talk to both and yeah. and in talking about that very specific experience you know that can help develop the wider general consciousness so mm. like I, th- I so i think like you know the sort of like oh this this isn't about me this isn't about me. so it's like hard for me to engage with and stuff like that i feel like mm. in you know to me that reminds me of like <laughs> you know <laughs> it's it's very different in the context you were presenting it as like you know whereas like i don't know if when when sartre talks about europeans here i don't know if he actually uses the word white he just says europeans yeah he but, does just say europeans so, so like you know what he's saying is literally you know speaking to you directly but it mm. do, but it does feel like it's addressed to white people <laughs> you yeah. know what i mean like it that, super does yeah and like i feel like you know in that same it, but i feel like in it being addressed like we were saying earlier it, it feels like it's trying to it feels like it's trying to do something by mm. being addressed to white people whereas like you know a lot of Sorry, I'm just going. I'm just on a tangent about about queer shit online now and, re- and representation Please, politics. Go and that. on, I'm, go I'm just, off, go I'm, off, AJ. <laughs> I'm I'm just thinking about like how you know, uh, I saw someone talk about how yesterday how they were like, oh, uh, people don't understand that like for a lot of people creating queer media, all they want is for there to be more queer media out there like as opposed to like looking for a profit like that the, mm. what they want is to create this specific thing mm-hmm. and i agree with that and like th- like you know think that would that's true to my myself and my works but not in a representation type way you know mm. what i mean like i i i i like i mean it in a substantive way like i want it to, uh, I, I want things that i create to be about the queer experience i don't Mm. want them to be labeled queer as a selling point you know what i mean yeah i totally 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 that makes so much sense and and for some reason i don't once again i've gone so far down the rabbit hole on this tangent that i can't remember how i got here (laughs) Um, we were talking about i'm confused when not when it's not about me yeah yeah okay so it was just a side thought it wasn't even really connected to it (laughs) but But it was interesting mm. Well, it, again, I think like for someone who hasn't done a lot of reading on uh, on colonization and decolonization yet, I have mm. I have books around me that I'm gonna read, but I mm. want I kind of I've had I've had this recommended so many times, like I've heard this recommended specifically by like black and indigenous communists and anarchists a lot mm. of the time that I like wanted to read this first before I moved on to other things. Uh, you know, because like, I've got I've got a book here on, on decolonizing decolon decolonializing anarchism. 
which mm. is like you know right up my alley but it's like okay but you know I should probably read what Franz Fanon has to say yeah, first. Yeah, maybe. Uh, <laughs> Good place to start. I so, have more notes, but... Yeah, oh, what we, you we, can hit, we can hit notes. I was going to say I have more notes, but I don't know how, how useful it is to go through them without like being very specific and taking up just like a huge amount of time. We can um, do that. We haven't talked about how long we want to go, but we can... Yeah. I'm open to yeah, you just I was doing whatever feeling, you want to do. I was feeling an hour. An hour seems us, like, good. 20 more minutes. 20 more minutes. We've talked about so much nonsense. But I think that's what makes would make us listenable and fun, I say. Mm. Not having finished the first episode of the podcast yet. <laughs> um Yeah, there was just a lot of um a lot of things I underlined and a lot of things that I made notes on and I'm reading through them to be like, what is actually interesting for me to talk about here? Yeah, I I'm I foolishly didn't make notes just because i'm not a very note-taken person yeah sure. but i'm gonna try and do that in future and use this as practice because i'm starting uni soon so i need to learn how to take notes ah, well uh, you know i feel like you know when, once uni starts for you i wouldn't want this to be something that becomes an added stress so i, I, think, I don't i don't think it will be we're only yeah. you know so far we're only doing it a chapter at a time like, yeah so it, that's yeah. pretty chill yeah okay um but yeah there, there were there were a lot of like specific passages and phrases yeah. in here where like i read them and was like hell yeah hell yeah you know it's just yeah. like very exciting to read i feel like as mm. someone who had like Obviously, there are parts which are also less exciting to read. Uh, Sartre does the classic white person thing of being like, hey, isn't it fucked up how uh, white people use the N-word? Uh, and the way he does well, that is it. by using the N-word. <laughs> Thank yeah. you, Sartre. Thank you. I feel like this is like the 60s version of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia having an episode <laughs> where they are all in blackface. And like the point oh, is, isn't, black isn't blackface stupid and racist? And it's like, yeah, but you're wearing blackface oh, so, oh, i had no idea that they did that yeah several Fucking times hell. they have multiple blackface episodes what the fuck yeah that's why i had to stop watching because oh. i couldn't take it anymore Jeez. <laughs> well that's cool um yeah I, anyway <laughs> i guess what i could touch on is like um I think it will come up later in the actual book. Um, I think it's probably something that France talks about a lot. Mm. Um, something that was touched on really heavily during the preface was about dehumanization um, to sort of legitimize uh, brutalization and uh, mm. injustices and how it happens when, you know, it happened then through this kind of very directly through this... Um, you know, racism, I guess, mm. um, and defining people as, like, natives and as less than human and as, like, characterizing people as beasts of burden and removing people's humanity from them. Mm. And I feel like that still happens now, but in a very different way. So I found it really interesting to think about, well, scary <laughs> and difficult, but interesting to think about yeah. where it is happening still. Like, I feel like it happens a lot more through 
abstraction through not seeing the people who make your clothes and not knowing mm. the people who have touched the things that you buy and not understanding the processes by which things reach you or travel across the world or stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, like the yeah. mystification of global capitalism. Yeah, like... mystification was the word that I was looking for. <laughs> Yeah, it, yeah. Mystification is another one of those words where it's like, I see it used so much that mm. it's like, and it's like, I know what it means in like a literary sense, but mm. I'm not entirely sure if I'm aware of how it's being used in a political sense, mm -hmm. uh, just because I see it attached to so much theory. And it's yeah. like, I don't know if I've read the right theory to know exactly what they're getting at here. Yeah. But 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 you, but you get the gist of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah you get it. I mean, I'm, I'm very excited to be ahead of the podcast because there are many things mm. that I don't understand and many words that I don't know and I think it's important to have like a leftist space where it's okay to not know shit yeah and yeah, yeah I feel like there's something with theory where it's like massively useful and then also sort of alienating in alienating like mystifying how... in itself yeah. yeah especially when you have when you have attention difficulties and when you mm you know, all of this distress that we've got built up about not mm. understanding things or not being able to do things or, you know, academic uh, boundaries that we come across. Yeah. You know? So yeah. Did, did you finish your thoughts on the mystification and, and stuff like yeah, that? Yeah, I or... think so. Okay. I don't think I was saying anything more specific than, huh, this is still happening. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I was, uh, to, to go back to what you were saying on, like, when when he's talking about, uh, you know, like, something that I appreciate that is, has only real, it's relatively recent to, like, the way that I see things, because because of what I've been recent, uh, listening and reading more recently, mm -hmm. it, that I appreciate in Sartre's intro here, is how um, he explicitly says that, like, nativity is, like, or native ism i don't know what you would call it being native mm. is is not something that exists outside of colonialism mm -hmm. like you're not you're not native because you live you're not native to a place because that's where you were born and you yeah. live there still you're native, you're native because to, you were colonized yeah you're native because someone came from elsewhere and is mm. and is imposing their rule on you here in mm -hmm. your homeland as opposed mm -hmm. like it's and it very much you know i've been reading a lot of stuff lately that talks about like how oh a lot i think i was reading about gambling and uh, so it, people pointed out that like oh the gambling industry used to be designed to try and you know under the more conservative financial regulation where where gambling was used to be seen as like a moral thing more here mm -hmm. specifically mm -hmm. in, in the uk and it was like the, then the industry was just seen as like a uh it was designed to meet demand um mm. but like you know the industry has completely changed and liberalized like almost everything else under capitalism uh <laughs> and and the way it and like it, it's now apparent that like oh by running a gambling company you are never meeting demand you are mm. creating demand yeah. Like, by existing as someone who's saying, like, hey, you can come and gamble here, you're creating the opportunity for people to want and come and gamble with you that, like, doesn't mm. exist if you're not doing it. And, like, I feel like a lot, and a lot of other things are, are, like, sort of the same, where I feel like people, a lot of, co a lot of concepts and a lot of ideas that we have to describe things, we mm. see as, like, almost, as being, like, 
a description of what they are as opposed to a description of what is created or imposed mm. if that makes sense mm-hmm. like like uh like how we were talking about how gender is is very much tied to all the identities of like the all of like the thoughts and ideology that comes under the western identity like mm. gender is part of that and like mm-hmm. we we see that explicitly in colonialism like the yeah. way that gender is not only enforced but created like no no gender isn't whatever it was before we got here gender is what we're bringing with us and mm. we're telling you it's this gender and we're gonna yeah. make you know it's this gender yeah as a method to further subjugate and control you yeah yeah yeah. and so i feel like the same way that like you know as they were talking about like taking away people's humanity as part of their humanism is Mm. like you know i feel it's it's the same sort of thing of like the creation of the native is the negation of the human yeah like yes yeah and that's what i think for all of the problems with this preface that's something i really liked about it how it sort of express that really very clearly yeah yeah Mm. yeah like far from me to say this is a this is a flawless introduction to the book (laughs) but but i did like you know i did still feel like there was value in here Mm. Uh, you know which i'm not saying is value that can't be found in the rest of the book i just haven't read the rest of the book yet yeah (laughs) neither have i we're going to we're going to chapter at a time I um I found a bit um I was just flicking through like thinking about what do I want to read here that is really that I found interesting there are some things I underlined just to sort of notice as things that caught me or that were interesting there were some I skipped because I started doing it like halfway through actually reading mm. um and a couple things um I guess I'll read this bit because it's like fucking so super relevant to what you just said, which is mm. uh, high-minded people, liberal or just soft-hearted, protest that they were shocked by such inconsistency, but they were either mistaken or dishonest. For with us, there is nothing more consistent than a racist humanism, since the European has only been able to become a man through creating slaves and monsters. Mm. Pretty much what you were just saying. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And like, you know... I feel like that is such a an underpinning aspect of like everything that's happening in the world right now. Mm. Um, okay, right. Sorry, I'm gonna go on another tangent because it's just what I please do. Uh, I read recently uh, someone's take. It was it was a Black American man, I think. I'm not sure what his name was because it was just mm. like a tweet that came on my timeline, I think. But mm. I didn't. I don't actually know the guy who made it. Everything uh, do does disappear on Twitter in yeah, a second. Yeah, but um, I think what he was essentially the point he was making was, oh, I think a lot of a lot a lot of people who are socialists or whatever don't fully understand uh, capitalism because, like, mm. you know, maybe they will look at it from the point of view of you know, like Marx's base and superstructure where mm. the base of the society is the economic model and the superstructure is everything that grows out of the economic model, which includes mm-hmm. government, which includes faith, which includes notions of gender, you know, all ideology and like all social constructs are part of the superstructure mm. that, that, are, that grow out of the, 
production relations of the economic relations of the base whatever that's a bad explanation probably but that's you know roughly that and it was Mm. later changed to become you know i think marx was like oh it's actually it's a dialectic like you know the superstructure can also go on to influence the base and it it can it can work both ways but generally speaking everything grows out of the base Mm. uh and i think uh so this man was basically making the point of i don't think people say that like the transatlantic slave trade was mm-hmm. part of the economic base it wasn't part of the superstructure like yeah. it what that wasn't a a social thing that happened although of course it was it was a, it was it was an economic relation it was it was the base and like our society the capitalism that we exist in has grown out of the base of yeah. the of the slave trade and he was saying yeah. like we still live in slave trade capitalism of course well, we you know, do. Yeah, of course we do. And I, and I think like in it, along those same lines, um, I recently read uh, Blood in My Eye by George Jackson. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've read that, but he was... Uh, I have not read shit. Yeah, yeah, oh, fuck. Yeah. That, that's a good... Maybe we'll do that on the podcast at some point because I love that mm-hmm. book, even mm-hmm. though I've, and I've only read it once so far, so it'll be good. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, he, he was a prison movement uh, person. I think he got like life in prison for like a, a third strike offense or something mm-hmm. like that. So he ended up joining the prison movement and while in prison, uh, joined the Black Panthers. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, in, in Blood in My Eye, is, Blood in My Eye is him mostly writing about fascism specifically. Mm-hmm. But, but he does, in that book, he describes himself as a Marxist, Leninist, Maoist, Fanonist. Mm. um and like you know the reason he does that and a a case i've seen other people make as well is the they argue that in wretched of the earth fanon is expanding marxism to actually account for colonialism as being part of capitalism like Mm. not not a separate thing that capitalism dabbles in but part (laughs) but like part of it like no like no this is in the economic base like yeah. the, the, this is this what capitalism is yeah yeah um and i think you know and i think he goes on to like it, it, like in the book i think he re- redefines from a marxist perspective he redefines what you would describe as lumpen proletariat as well yeah so i think it's you know very relevant to see what we're about to think of what we're about to read in that context of like oh this is actually he's doing work like whether or not he would have described himself as a marxist or whatever the work he is doing is like expanding people's economic understanding uh, and mm. like and social understanding of our capitalist society like to be to have like colonialism as a foundational element and like as such decolonialism as decolonialization needs to be a foundational element of revolution mm yeah i mean i'm sorry that yeah is the only thing i have to say after that Um, it's fine sorry yeah um i'm trying to remember what i was thinking while you were saying it but (laughs) just hearing it was great um time to think Mm. yeah when i was reading this um and it will probably come up again during the actual book but i was just feeling very powerfully like how much this is like our whole painful human history that is fucking impossible to acknowledge without completely you know 
if you want to sustain the things that you're doing and legitimize the things that you the way that you live it's kind of impossible to look at it and not like break into pieces <laughs> and um well you know i think there are ways to hold it and be active and Mm. Uh, but I think what struck me I guess when reading was like about how slavery and colonization still shaped everything about modern life Yeah, (laughs) which is also just what you said but um I think I think well, I think I got a good. It's a very thing. It's a good thing you said you said that. I think because like, it seems like a very basic truth to come mm. to, but mm-hmm. also it's sort of a, a truth that isn't as acknowledged as it should be, or yes. isn't as and it's understood very hard as it should to be. acknowledge. I think it's yeah. very hard to look at. I, I, it's very uncomfortable to look at. I think even I'm, if you know it's true. Yeah, even if you know it's true. I think I think a thought that was connected to my earlier thought, but I forgot about it until you said that about mm. about how you know there there, there is no inherent native uh, native like quality or essence. That's something that's created in the mm. same way. Uh, in the same way as like there is nothing inherent there's also nothing that can be returned to Mm. like you can't return to a time before slavery you can't return to a time before this awful colonization yeah like we can try to get together to work past it and and to move to heal from it to heal from it and to develop a better world Mm. but like and a key part of that is going to be decolonization but decolonization is never going to take us to a world where colonization didn't happen no we're always going to be post-colonial at best yeah 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 yeah. we're always going to be traumatized from it i think you know (laughs) or at least like you know generationally you know like exactly we could you know theoretically we can and will make a world where that can you know sustain life without those traumas for long enough that we're able to process them but mm. but you know they're always that's a very be part big, of our yeah, yeah that's a very big like if and theoretical when of like well we kind of had to have like solved all our issues before that can happen mm-hmm. <laughs> and then at the same time i don't know if that's fully i think the work on processing and healing from from the trauma of slavery and colonization has to happen at the same time as us working out our other issues and working yeah, out. Because yeah. we're not going to get fucking anywhere unless we give ourselves the space and the mm. resources to notice these hurts, process these hurts, discharge these hurts. Um, yeah. Do that work is like as important work as um, taking apart these structures, it needs to happen in order for this dismantling and this decolonization to happen. Yeah, if you're not doing the internal work mm. that can help you get to those places, yeah. then like then your organ then your organizational work that you're taking yeah. part in is going to suffer from your personal flaws, not flaws, but from your personal you know yeah. issues that distresses, still be- distresses, yeah, yeah, distresses and traumas and and prejudices. You know, mm. all of which are things which, are, you know, if not necessarily baked into us, are yeah. ha- hammered in. You know, like but the thing about that work is that you don't have to do it by yourself. Yeah, like it's an individual work that you need yourself to work on, but that doesn't mean you do the you have to do the work alone. 
Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's infinitely more effective with other people by your side. <laughs> Sometimes you can just start a podcast with your friend. And that's praxis, actually. <laughs> that's praxis. Um, we're gonna cry about healing from the hurts of uh, colonization. Mm. Um, and we're gonna record it for your entertainment. Yeah. Um, I, I think... would like to... Oh, Sorry. yeah? Oh, so I was just gonna say one... I nearly said one last thing, but I've got so many fucking things I forgot to say that it could be one last thing at any minute. Uh, I, I, was, <laughs> I was just gonna say... Um, part you know i was saying earlier i've heard this text recommended a lot but like mm. a lot of the time i've heard it recommended it's also been specifically recommended as like being a foundational part of people's experiences with beginning that internal work mm. like espe especially colonized people and like like i said most of the people who have oh. heard like you know most of the people who have heard go into great detail about how much they love the work have been black or indigenous i'm uh, so excited to read this book but i've also heard a lot of white people raving about it you know it's like <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah i i was gonna say i'd like to finish up but if you have something you really would like to say then don't no, say no. It now. i've probably yeah. got things i would have liked to have said but i'm happy with this conversation we can say them in other episodes yeah it's yeah. cool i'd like to end with um uh, such earning the lips. Yes. If you would allow me to read. Please, this. please. You who are so liberal and so humane, who have such an exaggerated adoration of culture that it verges on affectation, you pretend to forget your own colonies in that that in the men are massacred in your name. Fanon Fanon reveals to his comrades, above all of them some who were rather too westernized, the solidarity of the people of the mother country and of their representatives in the colonies. Have the courage to read this book, for in the first place it will make you ashamed. And shame, as Marx said, is a revolutionary sentiment. Mm. Ta-da! Fantastic. Uh, <laughs> okay, I feel like there's one thing I want to read, maybe. Uh, <laughs> sure. I just need to find it quickly. Yeah, sure. It's, do you, do you know, remember the quote about uh, the true revolution? Yes, I underlined it. Um, I'm just I'm I'm skipping back trying to find it now, but I don't remember. If I find the page, I will tell you which page it is. Do we have the same um, copy? It's uh, page eleven for me. Okay, my copy is the copy with the lady on the front. Yes, a sad lady on the front. Yeah. Um. Page eleven. Mm-hmm. So the top of page oh, 11. Yes, here it is. Um, I'm, I'm just trying to see where the best place to start from is. Sure. Okay. Oh, okay. Sorry. I have actually found... I th I have actually stumbled upon the thing I was going to mention, which I keep Ooh. forgetting. Okay. Uh, which is a lot of this... Um, a lot of this preface does... Uh, sort of hinge on framing the colonized countries as being part of the third world mm. uh, which you know the third world was essentially you know first world is who was on the the western part of the of the cold war and mm. and the second world is who who were the westerners opposing and then the mm. third world are the people who are not in you know who are not involved which is essentially where the proxy wars were for and shit like that but mm. that but Sartre also goes into like the opportunities that are provided when these two powers are contested and the third world is like a separate thing but mm -hmm. not separate but you know 
is yeah. is able to be considered a third thing. Mm. Whereas like those aren't our conditions anymore. Mm. <laughs> like like, you know Yeah. There are It's not a relevant framework anymore. Yeah, there are socialist nations, but there isn't a socialist superpower. Yeah. Like there you know, whether or not you wanna you know, no matter how you feel about the USSR, you can you know, it's at least fair to say that it, you know, definitely started and for an arguable amount, I won't say some or much, but, you know, an arguable amount, an amount that's up for con- contestation of its duration was socialist or intended towards socialism. Like, mm. uh, and then that went away. And we don't yeah. really have that anymore. Now mm. we have, you know, global capitalism with, like, hotbeds of resistance, mm. essentially. Um, and that's scary. <laughs> yeah, it's scary. Everything's really scary. Um, scary world. Yeah, the reason the reason I went into that is because as I was going back to see like where I should go into this quote, it was like just talking more about the third world, and I was like, yeah. oh, yeah. So I'll, I'll I'll just start here, but I won't start at what it says beforehand because who knows sure. how far back I'll go. Sure. Uh, Thus, the unity of the third world is not yet achieved. It is a work in progress which begins by the union in each country after independence as before of the whole of the colonized people under the command of the peasant class. This is what Fanon explains to his brothers in Africa, Asia and Latin America. We must achieve revolutionary socialism altogether everywhere or else by one by one we will be defeated by our former masters. He hides nothing, neither weakness, nor discords, nor mystification. Here, the movement gets off to a bad start. There, after a striking, after striking an initial success, it loses momentum. Elsewhere, it has come to a standstill. And if it's to start again, the peasants must throw the bourgeoisie overboard. The reader is sternly put on his guard against the most dangerous will of the wisps, the cult of the leader and of personalities, Western culture, and what is equally to be fe- with, uh, to be feared, the withdrawal into the twilight of past African culture. For the only true culture is that of the revolution. <laughs> that is to say, it is constantly in the making. Fanon speaks out loud. We Europeans can hear him as the fact that you hold this book in your hand proves. Is he not then afraid that the colonial powers may take advantage of his sincerity? No, he fears nothing. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. <laughs> Um, shall we shall we end here? I'm pretty I, happy with I, yeah, the I feel, conversation. I'm, I'm happy to end here. Yeah, nice. So next week we are going to read chapter one. Concern and, and violence. Concern actually and violence. written by Fransman on this time. Hooray! I'm Hooray. Looking forward to it. Yeah, <laughs> I am. I am looking forward to it. Me too. Um, um, yeah, reading's very hard. I don't know how to do it. I don't know shit nor fuck. But mm, I'm excited to learn more things. And also, I've learned a lot just from like talking to you about this stuff. <laughs> well, I'm 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 glad to be a help. You know, I think <laughs> there is, uh, there's an insecurity uh, mm. that I try not to let. Not uh, you know. As a white European, as I've said, <laughs> like talking about colonialism and le- mm. actively still learning about colonialism, mm. uh, you know, there is a, a balancing act of like, uh, okay, know when to shut the fuck up and listen, mm. uh, but also, you know, don't fucking wallow in guilt because that's not helpful. Like, mm. you know, as you said in that amazing quote earlier, like shame is revolutionary. Like, you know, our colonial, it, it, our, so, you know, like, 
the colonial history of this society we live in, which we have mm. benefited from, yeah. is like, you know, that's not going away. And like, mm. that should make us ashamed. Yeah. Like, un- like it's not going away. The history isn't going away, but like, yeah. that doesn't mean the systems can't. Yeah. And then shame shouldn't immobilize you also. Exactly. Sh- that, yeah. I think that's the key, is shame needs to be a mobilizing force, not a mm. demobilizing force. Mm-hmm. Uh, and how do you make it, uh, that for yourself, I guess, is the thing to work out. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So like, uh, yeah, so if I, you know, have an insecurity about like how much I rambled during this as like mm. as like the white person yeah. <laughs> but like you know to know that like you know hearing the the conversation helps helps yeah. me I'm happy yeah. about that uh, and I think there's space probably in this project for us to like talk about our discomforts and our feelings of insecurity around like how much we know and how much we've been taught to like doubt what we know and what we think and what we feel and like how much space we're taking up and to navigate all of these difficult things i think it's really valuable to yeah. do that in our discussion yeah and i think we can have those discussions about our insecurities without you know letting that take over the conversation we should be having totally because because that's part of the conversation we should it is it's yeah. a preface or an or a or a <laughs> what's a what's a, a postface <laughs> it's a postface on a post on this face. conversation yeah i th- i honestly i genuinely think they're necessary conversations because if you mm. if you have them and you look away from them then they they budge themselves back into the way you know yeah, they come you know, out in ways that you don't expect yeah like i'm you know so i think it's like it's it's the question of like the, the way we have different understandings of different things like you know di- people have different definitions different ways they define racism mm. so like you know th- if someone asks me are you racist i'm going to say no because mm. i'm assuming that like in them asking me am i racist like from context i'm gonna be yeah. like well they're asking if i hate people of other races or they're asking if yeah. i have racist opinions but like you know but whereas like if I'm actually in a deep, like, if we're in, if we're engaging in a political or philosophical conversation, then we can talk about, like, well, you know, yeah. how much of racism is personal responsibility versus yeah. conditioning. Versus and you have to acknowledge how much racism pervades our society and is internalized. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's like, I'm, you know, w- once again, I'm a white European. Like, this whole, mm. like, and the whole preface was about how white Europeanism is based on race and based on exploitation and like Mm. i have benefited from that no matter what i've done in my personal life and i mean also i benefit from that you know we we have benefited from that you 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 benefit from that in like in this in some of the same ways i do but you also face a lot of consequences that i don't (laughs) which is just true about the world we live in unfortunately yes anyway anyway good talk good talk um (laughs) Do we, should we do like plugs? And we should do plugs. This is our podcast. We should do plugs. This is our podcast. We can do what we want. Yeah. So I will start. I guess um, I do a an abortive June podcast with my sister, who I'm attempting to persuade to continue to podcast with me because I do enjoy doing <laughs> it, and I like what we've done so far. That's called Duneversity. That's D-U-N-E, and then Iversity, like the end of university. It's mm. funny. It's a very um, educational podcast. Thank you. It's very educational. You will learn a lot of things, um, and you <laughs> will have the pleasure and joy of someone listening to Derrida Sansel for the first time in their life. Oh, God. Um, I Yeah. <laughs> 
What a, you're so good at podcasting, can I just say? <laughs> I'm great at podcasting. Um, and then I have another podcast called Never Believe It. It's a Naruto D-Watch podcast. We talk about communism a lot, but without really <laughs> understanding anything that we talk about. Um, but now we have jobs and we're normal. And mm, Yeah, yeah. Business yeah, yeah, school. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we went to podcasting school and we're good at podcasting now. Mm. Um, but you should check that out. It's very weird and fun and good and bad. And also <laughs> I'm... I might potentially be starting a solo project called What the Fuck is Happening in Subasa Chronicle, which is another podcast about anime. Okay, okay. Yep. What's your solo podcast gonna be? <laughs> so, so, I'm not saying when, they can't exist, I'm just curious. I can cut this out if you want. No, it's fine. I'm super happy for it to be in. Um, I When I was like getting into manga, mm. I read Subasa Chronicle and it was the single most confusing thing I've ever read in my life. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I've been thinking for ages about, like, who am I going to get to do a podcast where you watch or read Spasa Chronicle? And then I was like, fuck it, I'll do it myself. <laughs> um, so I'm just going to, like, read the manga and then try and work out what happened in it. Mm. And I don't know if I'll release it or if it'll be entertaining or interesting, <laughs> but it could be kind of a fun exercise. In, like, yeah, it could just... be a nice little diary, if nothing yeah, else, if you, just if you like decide a fun not to delete it, uh, release exercise it. in talking to yourself. Yeah, it's practice for your other podcasts. Yes, yeah, practice. <laughs> anyway, what what podcast do you do? Um, right, I um co-host on a podcast called Two by Two, uh, podcast. <laughs> uh, we are a pro wrestling Noah podcast. That's right, another wrestling podcast that exists on the internet. Um, but you know, what do you mean the only podcast? The only wrestling podcast that exists on the internet. Two by two podcast. Wrestlers, uh, wrestling fans rejoice. Yeah, there yeah. is one now. <laughs> there is one now. <laughs> Finally, somewhere to listen to things people talk about wrestling. Uh, yeah, me and my co-host Envy. Uh, each episode, we usually watch like two episode, two matches from Pro Wrestling Noah, and use that to as like a lens by which to learn about the promotion. Um, shit, I guess, uh, I guess that cold open that I cut out, no, I'm not, I'm not going to put it back. I was going to say, maybe I should put the cold open in here since I described the podcast, but I'm, no, no, that's just gone. I'm glad just that have that's it twice. gone. Put it twice. No, it's gone. It's not even a cold open. It's just a It thing. was funny. <laughs> okay. It was good. <laughs> We're good at podcasting. We are good at podcasting. <laughs> Is that our sign-off? We're good at podcasting. <laughs> yeah. We're good at podcasting. Goodbye. Okay. Goodbye. <laughs>